Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Our challenge is, in a world that needs peace, in a world that is out there, uh, in the midst of conflicts all around us, this world needs peace, and peace is possible. And this thing called conflict becomes an opportunity. And our big idea for today and, and in the course of this series, Living in Peace, uh, really this is the setup talk for the entire series, but it, it's we are called to be peacemakers. God has called you and me to be the peacemakers in the world around us. Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's a tall order, right? Everyone is what we've just dialogued about for the course of our last uh, few series. The reality is everyone literally means everyone. How can we live in peace? Be right in the presence of peace. Be that peacemaker in the lives of everyone around us. And because uh, conflict's going to happen, but how do we trip our mind to where it's like, here's an opportunity? So let me tell you how we got to this series, because it's an interesting journey. We, about a year ago, were recognizing the need for coming alongside families, marriages specifically, that were, were crying out for help. Uh, we're saying, can you pray for our marriage? We need, we need some assistance. We need help. And really, as pastors, we we're like, man, we could send them to a conference or hand them a book or just say we're praying or what can we do, right? And so we uh, began researching as a pastoral team, like what's out there and you know, what ministries exist, what conferences, what books, what programs, what small groups, what can we do? And we landed on one that really characteristics the values of open life, that kind of genuine spirit, that authenticity of just being truth all out there, open and focused completely on Jesus and it was called Reengage. So we hopped on a plane and went to a training and came back and started uh, recruiting people to go through a pilot group. And uh, people went through this pilot group of this 16-week lessened thing to strengthen your marriage. And we realized, man, we need to do this again. And so we did a test group, like a, a soft launch, if you will, the final beta speaking in whatever language you, you listen to. So, you know, we, we, we walked through that, and, and it was even more powerful the second time. And we were like, okay, we got to go public with this, and we will in August. Yeah, that's one of the links you'll see on your Next Step page when you go there is the opportunity to find out what Reengage is about. And, uh, but here's one of the things we discovered 10 lessons in, this beautiful lesson on conflict. It was really tough to get through. I mean, it was hard to kind of open ourselves up. We had already covered a lot of subjects by then. So, so we had covered like humility and sin and brokenness and our need to be in oneness with God and in each other. And this, this challenge of all the things that we've brought into our world, we looked at grace and forgiveness. We looked at confession and commitment and trust and communication all before we got to conflict, which was important, right? All those things needed to be understood. 
But we knew immediately when we started looking at the resources in conflict, there's this resource tab on the page, the, the website that we use, marriagehelp.org, that had a bunch of resources on conflict. We started looking and we go, man, there's some good tools here for everybody. We need to do a series on conflict. So we've been building the heart of this and aware of this and kind of resonating with this for over a year. So, you know, it's one of the challenges is to like get everybody in a room to the same spot we're at a year plus later. It's impossible in an instant, but we're going to attempt it. In fact, one of the books that we read in the process we, is this book called Resolving Everyday Conflict. It's really where we've gotten the skeleton for this whole series. And it's written by a guy uh, that, that provided a bunch of the resources in the re-engage conflict process. And you'll see uh, some of his tools here as we go through today. But there's a crazy amount of backstory to say conflict is an opportunity. And we must view it as that. And we must figure out how we can become a part of the peacemaking arena in this conflicted world we live in. And uh, it's like, how do we do that, though? Like, right? How do we become part of the solution in order to become part of peace and a peacemaker, we need to understand some things. So the first question, really, that we're going to look at today is, what is conflict? Like, where does this source itself? How do, we, how do we understand this thing called conflict? I think we all know what conflict feels like. We've all been in one, probably this week, right? Uh, conflict begins when you don't get what you want, Right? Isn't that usually? In fact, James 4 puts it this way. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Hopefully nobody did that this week, right? If so, we'll have confession later and call 911. Uh, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight. You wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Where are you in seeing conflict in your life right now? Do you see it as a curse? Or do you see it as we're making steps, we're getting things out in the air, we're making positive progress? What part does selfishness play in your disputes? Peace with everyone's a tall order. And what God desires is unity. But what he's not shooting for is uniformity. Instead of avoiding all conflicts or demanding that others always agree with us, we can celebrate the variety within God's creation. All the different angles and voices that, that exist in the world that have different personalities. These are a benefit. They're God's creativity at work. So we've got to realize and figure out how do we be united even though we don't see things the same. Unity means we're of one purpose, one mind, one heart. But uniformity means we are clones of each other with everyone looking, thinking, and acting the same. That's not the goal. 
Conflicts result from simple misunderstandings often. It's not always selfishness. It's just we saw things from a different perspective and couldn't articulate it before it got crazy. There isn't a person on earth who communicates perfectly. Whether speaking or listening, countless conflicts arise when we think we've spoken and made ourselves clear or we've listened and understood correctly, yet we jump to a faulty conclusion. Our prejudices, uh, they feed our misunderstandings. And some of us are bent to misinterpretations of different ways. Like, do we expect the best of someone or are we anticipating they're making a jab or, you know, what, how do we communicate? You know, is really going to impact the way we interpret what's going on. God wants us to assume the best until we actually know otherwise. And we've talked about that a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Although much conflict is the natural result of God-given diversity and simple misunderstandings. So it's interesting that this gift to the world of personalities, of people, of different types of people, is the very thing that can breed conflict. So we need to learn how to deal with this, right? Jesus said that our response to conflict proves something. John 13, 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So how we deal with conflict to those on looking could very much so determine somebody's interpretation of your love. They're watching. People were watching. Right before soldiers arrested Jesus and took him away to the cross, he prayed this for the believers in that time and all times after. He said, I am in them and you are in me. In John 17, 23, Jesus prayed this. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. Perfect unity? Doesn't always feel that way, does it? It doesn't. It's hard. Jesus wanted us to view conflict as an opportunity, an opportunity to be peacemakers in a world desperate for unity. Question number two. So we got, what is conflict? But the second question, how does the gospel help conflict? Like, what does the gospel have to do with this? It's a personality thing, right? It's just like, because we don't see or speak the same language. We're looking at the same thing, but we're interpreting it different. The gospel is both vertical and horizontal. It's vertical, bringing reconciliation between us and God. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled to God as human beings. And then person to person, horizontal, bringing peace between individuals, peoples, and groups. And we say this. We talk about this often at Open Life. That if you look at your relationship in three different areas, both this way and this way, you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. If you're connecting with God vertical, and each other, horizontal, in increasing measure, you're growing. If you're serving God and each other, in increasing measure, your relationship grows with God. If you're sharing with God your time, your talents, your treasure, 
and each other. This way and this way. Then you'll grow. If you look at those three areas or six areas, however you look at that, and you just take another step, something amazing is going to happen in and through your life. Growth in your relationship with Jesus. Grow these and you'll grow your love for each other. You'll grow your servanthood for each other and your life will be fulfilled. So Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So make every effort, right? So your unity in the Spirit and with each other, bound together with peace. Every effort. Every effort. Peace is worth our greatest effort. But it's not always easy to put in the effort. The Greek word here, when you go into like word studies in the Bible and the New Testament here written in, in Greek originally, it means like to strive eagerly or earnestly or diligently. It's the same word that they use to train those gladiators that were going to go battle for their very lives. So we're to give, the challenge is we're to give the same effort for unity that these gladiators were giving to live, to survive. Because unity is key in survival. Peace is worth our greatest effort. Peace is worth the life and death effort that those in the Colosseum experience this world. We get to experience our own little Colosseum every day. Whether it's at home, at work, school, there's opportunities to battle our own desires and to bring ourselves back into alignment with the gospel. Peacemaking is applying the gospel and God's principles for problem solving with a valiant fighting effort. Everyday living takes it. Every effort. Believing in Jesus means more than going to church. It means more than following up with that and water baptism. It means more than trying to be a good person. None of those things will really take your sins away, right? Jesus came to take your sins away. He gave himself. He gave up his body on the cross. We're going to celebrate in communion as a response to today's talk. The bread represents the body of Christ. He gave up his body on the cross for us, he was nailed to a cross for, to take on our penalty of sin. He shed his blood, represented in grape juice here today, to, to cleanse us of our sins. He took that all upon himself. Like he reconciled us to God through what he did. Believing in Jesus basically means trusting that he traded records with you when he died on the cross. And then he rose to life. Gave us not just a promise of eternal living, but living to the full right now. And how can we live to the full if we're in constant conflict? God wants us to not only be the peacemakers, but in time that we need peace, be surrounded by those who will help bring in that flood of peace to our world. God intends for the gospel to completely transform us. 
Colossians 3, 12 through 15 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender, tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Wow. How is making allowances for each other going for you? How is forgiving each other the same way Jesus forgave you going? When we kind of put into perspective the things that we quarrel about or the conflicts we have, wow, man, Jesus paid a way bigger price, didn't he? He he did a lot to bring peace to our world. It helps us find peace when we take into correct perspective. And instead of starting with what should I do for God, in this passage it kind of looks at starting with what has God already done for us and following in his example. Begin by discovering that I am chosen by God and dearly loved, that God has done all of these things for me and and saved me, and those gospel truths then can flow differently through me into the peace that's needed around me, into the conflicts that rise up. Because God bears with me, I can bear with others. Because he forgives me, I now can forgive somebody of unforgivable things. Because he loves me, I can love and live in harmony with others. Ephesians 3 says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. So we just read in Colossians to clothe yourself with quite a few things, right? Kindness, mercy, humility, gentleness. But now we're being told in Ephesians, it's like, okay, now inside, go from clothing to inner strength through the Spirit. Verse 17 continues, says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand. That comes from that inner strength. As all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What God has done for me always comes before what I can do for him. He's given us inner strength. When we fully are impacted by the gospel, we can fully impact others and become peacemakers in unbearably unpeaceful scenarios. Question three, how do we naturally deal with conflict? So let's pull out the mirror, right? Again, truth discovers conflict is an opportunity it's an opportunity to make Jesus known. It's an opportunity to make God's love known around us. 
but we naturally have a bend. And Ken, Ken Sandy, the I don't know if you, that's how you pronounce his last name, but the author of the book that's really inspired us in this talk, says, peacemakers see conflict as an opportunity to solve problems in a way that not only benefits everyone involved, but also honors God. They use conflict to glory, glorify God, serve others, and become more like Christ. They seize every chance to strengthen relationships, preserve valuable resources, and make their lives clear evidence of the love and power of Christ. He created this diagram uh, that we hopefully have. There it is. And it's also, if you've got the physical handout, we put it on there called the slippery slope. It's interesting when you, look at, when you look at it, in the middle is a peacemaking, but on the left and the right are some natural responses. Let's look at the left. When conflict happens, the escaper focuses on running. They're also called the peace faker. We all know peace fakers in our world. Using an escape response usually means I'm intent on peace faking, trying to make things look good even when they aren't. Peace faking happens when I care more about my appearance of, or the appearance of peace than the reality of peace. Yowza. I think some of us identify with that. I would lean towards peace faking. Oh, it's all going to be good. I'm an optimist, right? So I'm like, yeah, that was brutal, but all is good. <laughs> Inside, I'm weeping, right? On the other side, the attacker aims at winning. They could be called the peace breaker. People use attack responses when they are more interested in winning a conflict than preserving a relationship. People move into the attack zone along one of two paths. Some attack the, the instant they encounter conflict. Others move into the zone only after they try unsuccessfully to escape it. So it's like the pendulum, right? I'm going to go this way. It didn't work. I'm going to bungee back to the other side. And before I get hurt, I'm going to attack. When they can no longer ignore, cover up, or run away, the problem explodes and they find themselves in the attack response. The peacemaker's goal is reconciliation. Just as God reconciled us to himself, we can reconcile each other to each other. Restoring, repairing damaged relationships. How many of you have ever been caught in an ice storm before? Like a full-on, it's raining, but everything is freezing around you. A few years back, quite a few years back, we did a winter camp at this camp called Lake Retreat in Ravensdale. We were out there uh, in the chapel doing service. And when we came out of chapel, somehow this cold front came over the Cascades and just froze everything. It was raining, but there was ice everywhere. Now, we didn't plan for ice. Nobody ever does. We just had this chapel on one side, this hill to get past, and around a lake to get to like where late night snacks were and some people's cabins. So I'll never forget stepping out of chapel that night and everybody I thought that had left, they were over at snack place or going back to their cabins, they were all still right outside the chapel. And they were trying to get up the hill 
and then they would just slide back down. It was hilarious. Brittany, were you at that camp? Do you remember that? No? I'm calling you out in the middle of service here because you were in... Yeah, yeah. So our worship leader, some of you remember Jamie Rosen, right? Uh, Jamie broke her nose trying to get up that ice hill because she was going out. We had a girl that had bitter, uh, brittle, not bitter bone, brittle bone disease break a finger that night. We had, it was awful. One of our cabin leaders that night, later on, after people figured out how to like grab some cloth or something that was yet to be wet or frozen, and they could like find a way to, to take their shoes off and go up in their socks, or it was crazy to watch people innovate, like, how am I going to do this? He was getting ready to, to go into his cap. For some reason, he was holding his sleeping bag, and he slid backwards down this hill, like right against the lake, but it was frozen. So, <laughs> luckily... But he did think he was going to die there that night. And so did his cabin of kids, you know. And they're like trying to figure out how to get to anybody for help. But everything is frozen. You can't get anywhere. It took him two hours to get back to his cabin. He had to like slide around camp and, and get. The stories are just hilarious from this. But what's the point? When we're trying to live right in the middle of this hill and it's slippery out. All of us are going to have a tendency to slip to one side or the other. And we need to not beat ourselves up. We need to just recognize where we're at in this. Like, what is my natural tendency here? And how can I overcome this? Because God has called us to take this conflict and be a peacemaker. The slippery slope is such a powerful tool and illustration because sometimes it's really hard to stay in the middle of this one but God gives us the ability the tools the strength to do it right now you have the opportunity to learn a better way to respond to conflict and that's what this series is all about so how does this all work how is this going to work itself out Peacemaking applies the gospel and God's principles for problem solving into everyday life. And practical peacemaking involves four steps that we're going to unpack starting in two weeks. Next week is Mother's Day. Bring mom. She's going to love. We have a little surprise. It's going to be incredible. The following week, we'll jump back in. And we're going to look at four questions, ultimately, that you could call four G's built off the structure of this book that inspired us to do this series. How can I focus on God in this situation is the first question. What would conflict look like if our first question in the moment is how would, how would God deal with this? Like, how can I focus on God in this situation? So the G1 is go higher. G2 is get real. How can I own my part of this conflict? That'll be a fun week, right? I mean, just a humbling week, honestly. Week three will be, how can I help others own their contribution to this conflict? G3 is gently engage. And then we'll look at getting together. How can I give forgiveness and help reach a responsible solution? So we have a lot of equipping to do, a lot of learning to do, and I can't wait because we all need this. I think it's going to make us better husbands. It's going to make better wives, better families, better kids, better siblings, 
uh, better workplaces, better schools, better friendships. Because conflict is natural. It's going to happen. The question is, how are we going to respond to the conflict in and around us? We have an action thought for this week, as always. But our action thought this week is identify your natural reaction to conflict. That simple. Look at the slippery slope. Figure it out. It's in both the digital version of the notes or the handout that you got on your way in today. But look at the slippery slope. Figure out where are you naturally? Where do you fall? And, and, and how can you come to grips with that? Watch what happens in moments of conflict this week. Are you a peacemaker? Do you naturally slip to the side of being the peace breaker? Or are you in between saying, help, how do I make peace here? You're a peacemaker. And when we know where we're at, it's like being on a map, right? And you're like, you are here. That'll help us when we start to equip ourselves to discover, then what does that mean? If you're here, this is how you help. If you're here, this is how you help. Watching your natural tendencies in conflict will help discover how you can grow from here. So I'm going to pray for you, pray for us, that God would reveal to us where we're at. But I as well want to open up, I'm going to pray and, and lead into a moment where worship team's playing. They're going to lead a song as we have an opportunity to receive communion together. We believe in one simple way of doing that. Communion is, it represents, as I said earlier, the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We take the bread, dip it quickly in the juice so that hopefully it doesn't like fall to pieces, which happened to me last time we did communion. It just fell in. The, I'm like, oh, I'm going to leave a floaty. So, uh, but it's like it, it, we take the body of Jesus, we dip it, and then we can take it ourselves. We don't all have to hold it in our hand until we all take of it together. But we're supposed to do this reverently because we're saying, I trust you, God. I trust that like you did take my sins on yourself. You switched reports. Now mine says innocent through faith in Jesus. And so if you've yet to make that decision to put your faith in Jesus, go ahead and you don't have to receive communion today. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, which I hope all of us will do as I pray here, then you can receive communion today and, and give God thanks. Because without the gospel, we're going to never solve conflict. Without Jesus in this situation and in inner power, we're going to always have an element of conflict that we're wearing and hiding and faking our way through. So, Lord, I thank you for what you've done in us. You've given us the ability to clothe ourselves with kindness and, and compassion and, and love and be known for that in the world we're in. I pray right now, Lord, that you would come and, and touch our lives and make us able to recognize our own patterns. The Lord, you'll help us see what our tendencies are, whether we slip to the slide of, of faking it and escaping conflict or whether we slip to that slide, side of, of taking an aggressive action and, and, and assault or, or peace breaking in a way. But Lord, you'll help us identify. Maybe we're in the middle and we're just trying to cry out for help how we help both other sides. I don't know where everybody's at, but you do. You know our hearts. And so would you reveal to us where we're at this week? 
Will you help us come in a couple of weeks when we dive back into this, knowing exactly where we're at so that we can grow from there? Lord, I thank you for teaching such practical things like this in the scripture so that we can be better people in the world around us, so that we can make you known through our love. And God, if any of us in this room have yet to say yes to you, yet to say yes to Jesus and invite you into our life, choosing to follow you as Lord and Savior and confess our sins to you, that you could forgive us of our sins, may we do that right now so that we can celebrate the price you paid with your body and blood through communion. God, I pray right now that if anybody's yet to invite you into their life or maybe just wants to refresh that commitment, that they would just say, Jesus, I love you. I want to know you more. I confess that you're Lord, that you took my sins upon yourself on the cross. Through your body and blood, I am forgiven. The reports have been switched. I choose to follow you and live not just for an eternal promise, but that I could live life to the full right now. In Jesus' name, amen.